Welcome to the Run for God Run Club, where you will find God in a runner's space. Welcome to the Run for God Run Club. This is your one stop each week to be motivated and inspired to get off the couch and onto the running trail where you can, in turn, inspire others to do the same. Let's learn, laugh, and leap into running together, giving God the glory for what we are able to do in His name. Amen. I am your running host, Dean Thompson. Today, we're going to talk about coincidences and how God works things out for us. And then I'm going to share my thoughts on a thing called the bystander effect. And joining me once again for all of it is Run for God founder, Mitchell Hollis. Thanks for having me, Dean. How's your week been? Man, it was busy. I feel like I'm I'm a step behind. Yesterday I was catching up emails and I realized I had some that were several days old. I did that yesterday too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You were you were out of town for a little bit. Yeah, I, I don't know. Holly and I went out of town for four or five days up to the Smokies, and sometimes you wonder if it's worth it. You spend a week getting ready to go out of town, then two weeks catching up when you get back. So, But then you remember what you know a few days ago was like, and it was worth it. Yeah, it was worth it. it was yeah, worth it for, for sure. sure. Yeah, the fall is here. You yeah, we about were, the leaves, leaves were changing. changing. It, was, it was nice up there. Yeah. We go to a place called uh, Cades Cove. It's actually, we I didn't know this, but the Great Smoky Mountains is the most visited national park in the country. Yeah. Did you know that? I did. I didn't know that. Yeah. I thought it would have been Yosemite or... Yellowstone or something like that. But, you would assume. Um, it's the Smoky Mountains. So, hey, I got to, you know, every once in a while we get we get letters in the mail. And I still like handwritten letters. Yeah. And every once in a while we get them in the mail. But I wanted to give you this one. This is from Bill Silvers. You know, Bill, you remember I Bill? Do. I do, yes. He um, he competes in the Golden Olympics. Yeah. Did you know that? Uh-huh. So did you know this was coming? I didn't. So it was, it's kind of a challenge, it sounds like. Yeah. to me but he he does the golden olympics and he is wanting to put together a run for god team for next year but i want to read off what bill does i i did i, I remember meeting bill yeah um he came to town he does in two days time he does the 50 meter run the 100 meter the 400 the 200 the 5k the football throw the softball throw the basketball free throw and the three on three males basketball that's a lot of work. That's a lot of work. But that. I pulled up this. I've never heard of the Georgia Golden Olympics. Have you? I haven't. I hadn't until he mentioned it. Well, it's a big deal. Yeah. I mean, if you go to their website, there's a lot of entries in it. And uh, so I'm going to give this to you because you have to be 50 years old to even enter. So I'm, I'm kind of out. I'm in. I've got, a, I've got a few years before I get there. But that would be a pretty cool thing. To It's in Warner Robins. Yeah. And uh, Is it, So it's the same place every year? I, I assume so. Yeah. So uh, I'm going to give this to you. Maybe you can get with Bill and yeah. put together a team for now. That would be pretty cool. He said he had a lot of great – evidently, a Warriors Run for God gear uh, this past year's um, event, and he had a lot of comments on it. So, I bet. Uh, not too far from us. Maybe yeah. you have to check that out. We'll have some fun and and uh, share the share the word at the same time. Yeah. yeah that way God sure. intends it. Hey, before we get started, let's talk about our sponsor for this week. Again, if uh, you have a business out there and you want to support what we do here at Run for God and allow us to support your business in the process, you can send an email to runlanehollis at gmail.com. But this week's sponsor is our good buddy Brandon Combs over at State Farm. 
When you make the right decision, it feels good, like picking the perfect accent rug or choosing a good night's sleep over an all-night crime show binge. It feels good to make the right decision for your insurance, too. That's why State Farm agent Brandon Combs is right here in Dalton, Georgia, to help you select the right protection at the right price. Brandon will make sure you understand your coverage, which is rare. Mm-hmm. A lot of times we don't understand what we're mm-hmm. getting. Uh, so you'll know what to expect when the unexpected happens. So if you're in the North Georgia area or really anywhere, I think, um, can can select an agent, give Brandon Combs a, a call uh, or look him up on the Internet. You can do that as well. But when you want to make a great deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is here. And uh, that's true. Yep. It seems like we don't read our insurance documents until it's too late it's true. a lot of times. So, it's true. Uh, give Brandon a call. Yeah. Yep. And I can tell you, I can attest because I have called him about odd things and he does not mind yeah. answering the questions. Hey, is this covered? That's usually yeah. what I ask. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, last week we had this Run Club social post from Rich Glass. It says, they ran for God. Consider Mary Magdalene. While most recall John and Peter as the Easter Sunday runners, their running story is only in one gospel. She is mentioned in all four. She led a group of women runners, including Salome and Joanna, bringing the good news to the disciples, and she probably ran back to the tomb just behind the men. Similarly, we should always run with purpose, and that purpose includes letting people know that he is risen. He is risen indeed. <laughs> I like that post. Why do you think we, I mean, yeah, she's right. We hear about John and Peter. Yeah. Um, but it's right. She's, she's the one that saw the empty tomb first, and you know she was, she oh. was moving. Oh, yeah. Getting back. Absolutely. Probably set some world records in the process. But, Absolutely. Um, yeah, that's a, that's a good point. Yeah, it's a nice observation. And I, I can't help but think about how we're to carry out the work God, the work that God has for us. You can imagine how excited they were. And, you know, they, they ran from the tomb and they ran to the tomb. All this, this excitement. You can mm-hmm. kind of feel it, you know, mm-hmm. when you think about the story. You realize that we have this great story this great thing that we have in our salvation and really we should be wanting to share it just as much yeah and and very often of course we're not nearly as excited as we we should be and uh yeah i think that's something that uh we all there's a reason why there's a commandment to keep the sabbath holy and Mm -hmm. that is so that we take church and our spirit you know the just the idea of worshiping god very very seriously mm-hmm. we've been talking about that in church a lot here recently and um yeah we can do it through our running we can do it in so many ways and this is a good good illustration yeah for sure yeah our trivia question from last week was this one the 2018 boston marathon will be remembered for several reasons one of those reasons is the unlikely winner of the men's race Who was the winner of the 2018 Boston Marathon? Of course, you remember the story. I remember, so I didn't know the name, but I love the story. The name's a little difficult. Yeah. Yuki Kawauchi, um, obviously from Japan. Um, It it was an odd race in that the weather was absolutely brutal. Mm -hmm. And now Boston is one of those races where the weather could be I mean, such well. This in this case, it was thirty nine degrees, raining, even some hail, and 
just brutally cold. I've been there when it's 87 degrees mm. and um, it talk about two extremes. Yeah. That's really, really tough on both sides. Um, and in, in this case, I think not only was it cold and raining, but it was also very windy and the wind was mostly in their face mm. during this race. And so the problem with it was, is that people more, I think more people dropped out of this Boston than any other Boston and it's because it was it was you could not get warm. It mm-hmm. didn't matter what you wore because whatever you wore was going to get soaking wet, and it was just going to. And so people had a really really hard time with with low body temperatures um, being pulled off the course by officials and things. Well, and you're right because Boston is a point to point. So yeah. if, if most races, if the wind's in your face when you start, it's at your back when you finish. But not in Boston. Not at Boston. But you get the flip side of that, which Ryan Hall talks about. He had a tailwind. <laughs> That's right. The whole race, and uh, yeah. so yeah, that's, I hadn't even thought about that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and normally I don't even think about, you know, I love, I don't care what the, what the weather is. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter to me. Um, but it, in this case, it was, it was pretty, pretty rough. And this guy, Yuki, he, he's known, they call him in Japan. They call him the citizen runner is, is, <laughs> is the, the phrase for him. Um, he had no sponsorship, uh, and nobody, nobody had him on their radar to have any chance of winning the Boston Marathon in 2018, including him, including him. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Um, and, and so this is a guy who runs a lot of marathons. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, in 2018, he ran 12 marathons. He had already run, I think, three marathons that year yeah. before Boston. And then came and won Boston. Um, he ran 2.15, which is the slowest winning time to win Boston in many, many years. I didn't mm-hmm. look back to see, but it was obviously because of the conditions. Sure. Um, the women's winning, winning time was also really slow. I don't. I, th- I want to say Des Linden is who won the women's race, and I want to say she didn't even break two thirty. I, I know she won. I remember that, but yeah. I don't know what her time was. And I remember, I remember catching it early and seeing how bad the weather was, and how, just how. And they were talking about how brutal it was, and I realized that Des Linden was in it, and I was like, Des will win. Yeah, because she's tougher than yeah, anybody. she's tough. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's one of my favorite things about her. And then Krista Duchesne finished third. Um, Krista Duchesne, she's a forty-year-old. Canadian athlete who we had interviewed at one point in time and done an article in, in our connect magazine years ago. Um, she was third hmm. good, good, got a great testimony. Um, and, uh, she's, I, I, she's still running marathons today too. I think she's what's she 45 now so or so. So what about Yuki though? Is he still, I mean, did he just kind of fade off into the, no, he went professional. Yeah. Um, and, and started, started running more, um, and he has run some good races since then. He's run 208. Oh, wow. So um, he's he's pretty fast guy. Um, in, in Japan, there's a bunch of guys that run 208. Yeah. Um, but, but he's one of them. And, um, yeah, I remember he had to ask off work the next day so he could attend the – That was probably the biggest story. That, that, was, you know, that was the coolest It was story. obvious he didn't plan on winning because he was planning on being back at work. Yeah. And yeah. could you imagine – I mean, hey, boss, can I get – I just won the Boston Marathon, not – I kind of like to go to the awards ceremony. <laughs> uh, what a big deal. He also, he holds the the world record for the most sub 220 marathons. Now, 220 is, I can't remember what the pace is. It's like, it's under 520 pace, I think. It's mm-hmm. fast. Um, he's run over 100 of them. That's incredible. He just loves marathons. Yeah, yeah. 
and he's obviously good at it. Yeah. Um, and it's always cool to see somebody, the underdog, you yeah. know, we all love to root for the underdog and talk about an underdog. This was, this was him. Yeah. And so it was really cool. It was also good to see Des Linden win on the women's side too. Cause Des, you know, she'd fought and fought and she'd finished second and third and she was always up there, but she never won one of yeah. these majors. And, uh, that was her opportunity and she seized it and Yuki seized it. And it was, uh, it was a pretty cool thing. True grit won that day. Amen. On both sides. Yep, that's so, right. Um, yep. All right. Um, before we move on, Dan, we got to talk about January 16th, 2023. That's the kickoff of the 2023 Couch to Marathon. And uh, we need everybody to join us. Yes. Now, maybe you started this year and weren't able to, for whatever reason, complete it. Maybe you were out there this year and you were thought, if they do it again next year, I'll do it. Maybe you're in the camp out there where one of your friends did it and you thought, I'll watch them and see if they can do it. Whatever whatever your reason is out there, we want you to join us this year. You've got plenty of time to think about it right now. By the time this comes out, it's mid-late October, and uh, we're going to be starting January the 16th. Now, we're also going to promote a 5K challenge starting at the same time because obviously the Couch to Marathon starts with the 5K challenge. We want to challenge all you instructors out there, past, present, and future instructors, to join us for this as well. Mm -hmm. Don't necessarily, you can if you want, but advertise and promote a 5K challenge starting January 16th. You know, we don't want this to be sleight of hand, but we kind of want it to be sleight of hand. There's a lot more people will sign up for a 5K challenge than the Couch Marathon. Mm -hmm. And then when you get in there about week eight, you know, when they start getting that runner's high from completing that first 20 minutes, then you can drop the suggestion, hey, this is going to continue on to the Couch to Marathon if you want to join us for that. So the instructor's page is up. The instructor's dashboard is up. It's working. It's active. Uh, go on there and check that out. You do have to be a member of Run Club to access all those materials. Um, but it doesn't cost any more to become a coach. Uh, and in fact, we, we're really going to be making a push this fall uh, to get a lot of coaches coming along beside us in January for not only the 5K challenge, but also the Couch to Marathon for anybody that wants to continue on that as well. So uh, we don't know the details of exactly which races we're going to be graduating at. Those details will be coming. We know we're going to have the Hawkins 10K again, but for the half and the full, we're still kind of kicking the tires on a few there. We've got some ideas, um, but those those details will be coming. So think about it, pray about it, talk to your family about it, uh, the Couch to Marathon Challenge and the 5K Challenge starting January 16th, 2023. Man, I'll tell you what, if you want to get the most out of your Run Club membership. Oh, man. Man, <laughs> there's becoming a coach is, and I know, you, you think about it and you realize that if you've never done it before, you think, yeah, it'd be pretty cool. It'd be a pretty cool thing to do. It's way cooler mm-hmm. than you think it is. I guarantee you. Yeah, I mean, we've at this point, we've had close to 7,000 coaches around the world through the past 12, 13 years, we get the same story just about everyone we talk to. Mm-hmm. It, it The story is not about the lives of students that got changed. When you're talking to the coaches, you're hearing about how their life got changed, yep. how their outlook on life, how their outlook on running, what running meant to them. You know, because I think a lot of people are in the same, a lot of coaches are in the same place that, you and I weren't once were it's this is a me sport yeah. how fast can I get how fast mm-hmm. 
But when you turn it around and you start pouring back into other people, it just changes your perspective Mm -hmm. on everything. And uh, so think about it, pray about it. Uh, I think, um, I think we're going to have a good launch this uh, January 16th for the 5k and the couch to marathon. So uh, go check it out. Really excited for it. Social media. Nope. Grocery store tabloids. Nope. The newspaper. Not usually. The national news. Are you serious? Is there any media source these days that only shares a positive message? A lot of the media we take in each day can be pretty negative. Why not make the decision right now that your music will only be positive? Sign up for an account at jradio.com today and download the app in your app store. With music for every moment and entirely positive Christian message, it'll be nice to hear things going right for a change. All right, we're back. Now, if you are part of Run Club and you've got questions or something that I can help you with, you can send messages to Dean at runforgod.com. Um, I, I've, a lot of people ask about how can I modify the program to fit my schedule? It's a little bit different than, and, and, you know, I get a lot of that. Um, I had somebody here recently sent me a 12 week training program, says, What do you think of this? And uh, that was that was fun to go through and look at. A little bit more advanced than what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was good. So, um, so yeah. So, uh, and then don't forget about Thursday nights. Thursday nights, we all get together, and we have a live session. We talk about the topic mm-hmm. of the day. Um, recently, we talked about some of the later running studies and what do those things show, and how do they apply to us as just uh, everyday runners? And so, uh, we talked about that, and just. Sometimes it's a Bible study. Sometimes yeah. it's motivational, um, but it's it's always fun, yeah. and it's a good time to to interact. So, and we need stories. We're getting critically low on critically stories. low. Yes, and so I just got one this week. Yeah, and uh, I, we need some more because uh, we don't want the well to run dry on this podcast, do it, we? We're gonna have That'd to resort awful. to you just talking. I know, and that <laughs> would be awful. <laughs> Gosh, so we need to hear your story. So send your stories in. Well, we were just talking about Yuki and him winning the Boston Marathon. You know, Japan has this incredibly deep field of marathoners. And I don't know that people, you know, we obviously think about who are the best marathon countries. And who's the first one that comes to mind? Well, it's Kenya, Kenya. the land of running. I Mm -hmm. call it that for a reason. And then, of course, Ethiopia Mm -hmm. um, is second. So... There was this list that came out in 2020 of the number of sub 210 marathoners by country. And Kenya uh, had 475 sub 210 marathons. That's just crazy to think about. But uh, And then Ethiopia was second with 204. But guess who was third? It was Japan. Hmm. Japan has the third highest population of sub 210 marathoners. Which is interesting because you never think about Japan. When you think about the best marathoners in the world, we never really think about Japan. Uh, but they have, a, at this point, had 112 sub-210 marathoners, uh, which is interesting because do you know how many we had in the U.S. at this time? Not many. 21. Wow. 21. Uh, Japan has five times as many sub-210 marathoners as as we do which i think is interesting and so 
I, I was thinking, well, why do you think that is? What What's the reason for that? I, I don't know, because it's weird, because I, I read on, on through your notes here, and, and Japan, ironically enough, has some of the best track cyclists in the world. They don't focus on track and the run, but they focus on track and cycling. Huh. And so it's, I guess it's weird how every country kind of focuses on, because mm-hmm. you mentioned it here, we we focus on track. Right. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't, why, why is that? I mean, is it something, is it something physiologically I, with the Japanese that, yeah, or is that just where they put their focus? I don't know. It's it. That's because I mean, Kenya right? arguably is something physiologically. I mean, it's sure they're born to run. I mean, literally, but at the same time, it's their culture. Yeah. I mean, their culture is to run. Yeah. I mean, it, if you want to, they're probably, it may be that their most well-known athlete in Kenya, period, is Elliot Kipchoge and David Rudisha. Probably. Well, you know, Lane made a comment to me the other day, and, and this backs it up. He said, you know, he said the, because Kipchoge trains with a little club mm-hmm. in Kenya. It's it's, it's kind of funny to, to look at the conditions that they train, but that's how they want it. Yeah. And he said probably the, the five top guys under Kipchoge in that club would be the top five guys in America. Yeah. <laughs> you don't even hear about them nope. over there, yep. but they would be one through five yep. here. And, uh, that just, yeah. I mean, that really shows you the culture over there and, yep. and where their focus is. You, it's absolutely true. And so I look, here's the reason I bring this up. It, I mean, it's a, it's an interesting factoid and all of that, all of that good stuff, but the people that we hang around with mm-hmm. is important. Mm-hmm. Right. So if we hang around with people who are active, we're probably going to be more active. Yeah. If we hang around with people who, who run, we probably will get our runs in mm-hmm. uh, because it's it's so much easier for me, for example, to, to get my runs in now because I'm surrounded by it all the time. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's a lot easier. Yeah. Um, now sometimes I don't get the quality training I'd like to because of some. But you can get all the volume you want. I can get runs in. <laughs> yeah. And, um, yeah. And so whatever it is that you do, say you want to lose weight. Mm -hmm. If you want to lose weight, then get yourself into a culture that's conducive to you doing that. You don't want to be hanging around with a bunch of people who are not motivated Mm -hmm. to to lose because it's contagious. It is. Yeah. The easy way is the contagious way. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. You know, same thing goes for our faith. It's why we should be in church. Sure. Is because we should be around people like-minded. Now, we should also be going out and making disciples, but we we have to spend a lot of time immersed in a culture that helps us um, be able to, to share our faith when we need to. Well, Keith and I were just talking about this yesterday. A good friend of mine, Keith Parham, who uh, we used to run together a long time ago, and, and now that I'm kind of coming back to it, and he's recovering from a stroke so he's coming back to it and so we're we're kind of pushing each other and we talked about this very thing yesterday he and i went on one, on one of these runs where you know i think i probably started a little fast and as i started to fade then he started turning the, the heat up and and before we know it we're just beating each other's brains in not meaning to yeah subconsciously you know two guys running yeah. together we're like he's not gonna beat me and he's thinking the same thing but when we got done we, we made the comment, this is the true definition of iron sharpens iron. Yeah. Because as I was starting to fade, had he not been there, I might have slowed it down two minutes a mile. 
But because I had somebody there, I was able to to pull myself out of that. And we all can do that. You know, a lot of times we say we're done. We're not done. Mm-hmm. And you got that accountability. And then he would start to slide. Yeah. And then he would he would fight to. And so, man, that that's a picture of our walk with Christ. Because sometimes, man, we just we just don't want to do it today. But mm-hmm. if we've got those people around us who are picking us up, then we've got the opportunity to return the favor the yeah. next day or the next week. And, uh, yeah, it's a good point, Dean. Makes all the difference. Well, have you ever heard a story that contains some pretty big coincidences? I'm sure that we all have. And you you have the question, is it coincidence or is it God? Well, I like to say there are no coincidences. So uh, we've got a story about that. It comes from Fernanda McCarthy, uh, and it's called God Works Out the Details. I love this story. It's still amazing to me every time God steps in and works things out before you even have a chance to ask him. I joined Run for God, the Run for God Run Club in November and started the Couch to Marathon Challenge a little ahead of schedule. At that time, I felt like God had very intentionally brought Run for God into my life. When I signed up, the program gave me the exactly the time I needed to train for a 5K before I had surgery that was already scheduled on March 1st. I ran my first race on February 26th and had enough time to recover from surgery and join the 10K challenge, which I completed in June. God's timing is incredible. I have also been very excited ever since I saw the schedule that the half marathon would take place in Greensboro, North Carolina, my hometown. I definitely felt like God was saying, well, now you have to do it. I have been training with my sister who joined me on this uh, running journey in May, and we're really looking forward to the half on October the 22nd. Well, today, I had a moment when I realized that somehow I double booked myself on that same day as the half marathon. I'm flying out to Texas for a work trip. The flight was booked for 11.46 a.m. from Raleigh, which is an hour away. There is no way I can run the half at 8 a.m. and make the flight. I decided that I would try to change the flight even if I had to pay the difference and was praying that there might be a later flight available. I looked at the schedule and determined that I would be able to make the 120 flight. So I decided to give American Airlines a call. While I was getting ready to call them, I logged into my scheduled trip so I had all the details to give the representative. To my complete astonishment, at the top of my confirmation page it said, Your flight has been changed. Apparently, God had already realized my blunder and somehow worked it out before I had a chance to. And what was my new flight time? It had been changed to the exact flight I was prepared to pay for. That felt like such confirmation that God is running this journey right alongside me. I cannot wait to meet all my Run For God friends who have been such an encouragement during this incredible journey. Can't wait to see all of you in October. Well, so as of this podcast airing, the the, the half marathon was this past weekend. Yeah. And um, yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a cre- that's an incredible story. I, I would probably push back on Fernanda just a little bit and, and say that God's not running it right beside her. He's running in ahead of her. Yeah. And I think that was proof and and that's that's a great place to be. Yeah. It's it's a sometimes it can be uh testing letting him run ahead, but man, things always go off the rails when we try to run ahead of him. And uh yeah, I mean that's just a it's a great story. 
Yeah, it's pretty. I, I love stories like this. I wish I had I could put a book together of all the times I've heard people tell a story similar to this, where God worked something out, God provided the exact amount of money somebody needed to pay for something they had to pay for, or God with you know the timing of so, so many things, mm-hmm. and um, we hear it all the time, and yet we still use this word coincidence, <laughs> which is I'm just not I'm not convinced there's such a thing. Um, yeah. And here's the thing. We read all these stories. We have Fernando's story here, and it's an awesome story. And then next week, we have something come up where we have a conflict, and we worry about it. God's working stuff out, and there's a reason why things are the way they are. And we got to quit being the Israelites and thinking that, <laughs> forgetting what God did last week. Well, I don't... I, I... I don't think nowadays we forget as much as we explain away. Yeah. You know, coincidence is a good example. You know, I I would love to to let old John Disterdick, who was on here uh, a few weeks ago, go into this, the probability of something like this happening. You know, we're, I read his book, um, Consider the Odds, yeah. and I'm, we're going through it as a family now. And just last night, this is so interesting— he was talking about the probability of the um, prophecies about Jesus mm-hmm. taking place. And he focused on eight of them. There's over 300 prophecies that that came true about the life of Jesus. But he focused in on eight of them. And he said that the probability of that happening is, and I still don't understand these statistics, but it's 10 to the 11th power. I don't even know what that means, but he he did a good job of putting it in perspective. He said 10 to the 8th power is 1 in 200 million. And he said 1 in 200 million still, that's just, we can't comprehend it. It's like winning the lottery. What what does that really mean? I mean, we hear about people winning the lottery, so it must not be that common. He said that basically if you took dollar bills and you lined them up one after the other, that it would wrap around the entire United States twice. (laughs) <laughs> and he said the probab- probability of picking the unique dollar bill is is one in 200 million, so one to the eighth power. That's like driving around that line of dollar bills around the United States and reaching your arm out the window and picking the unique one. Yeah. I mean, you start thinking about it that way, and it's it's mind-blowing. Yeah. And so anything that has to do with those kinds of probabilities is, in fact, a miracle. Yeah. But we call it a coincidence. Why do we do that? That's Especially when it's has things to do with our, our spiritual life and you know, that we, we got lucky. That mm-hmm. was a coincidence, you know, all the time knowing that God had his hand in it because statistically, probability wise, it's impossible for it to happen. Yeah. But it happens to us all the time and we just explain it away. Well, that's 10 to the 8th power, and you're, you're talking about 10 to the 11th power, which is multiple, multiple, multiple times more improbable. Yeah, he, he used the example. I love, and it's just my oldest son, Lane, he's a math geek, and these numbers are just really messing with him. But 10 to the 12th, I think, he said, which is talking about, because he talks about what's the probability of a, a cell being formed, just because he's... He's talking about the probabilities that this would just happen by chance, you know, which is the scientific. It was a big bang, you know, and he said it's about like taking a 
all the watch parts and putting them in a Ziploc bag and just shaking them and shaking them. What's the probability that watch will be put together? And it's, it's 10 to the 11th power or something like that. And he said, it's like having a stack of silver dollars, 10 feet thick that cover the entire United States <laughs> and you flying and diving down and grabbing the one unique silver dollar. <laughs> It's just it. I love. All I mean, we we've kind of went down a rabbit trail, but yeah. When you when you take science, which is what our society pushes so much, science proves yes intelligent design. Amen. Statistically, yep. statistically, what they're saying happened is statistic statistically impossible. Yep. And that's the whole point. And so I went a long way around saying this wasn't a coincidence. Yep. Because statistically, that just is not going to happen. Amen. Romans 8, 28 says, And we know that all things work together for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Follows it with, He has taught me to trust him, to know that he is working things out. Even when I don't see it or feel it, he is working all things out for my good and his glory. It's easy to believe this verse when... When you're in the middle of what she's doing, you know, it's easy to, whenever you have those things that happen just right, it's easy to, but we have to back up and realize that it's true all the time. It doesn't say all good things. That's that's right. Work together. It says all things. And when you were reading that, I was thinking about, you know, what would, what would our world be like if Paul would have never gotten put in prison? If everything would have just been good in Paul's life? Yeah. He wouldn't have had a reason to write a lot of those letters he wrote. He wouldn't have had a reason for his conversion. Well, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Jesus literally came down and face-to-face with him and confronted him. But if things would have just been good, the good things never would have happened. Yeah. It sounds weird to say that, but um, all things, all things. Well, I, I shared this on a recent Thursday Night Live briefly. But this story bears repeating. We we were at that meet. There were literally over a couple thousand people Mm -hmm. all on the the church property there. And um, getting toward the end of this time, there was a guy who was asking me if I was part of the church. And Mm -hmm. I said, no, but I might be able to help you. Uh, I'm kind of loosely associated with the church. You're a de facto member. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, he said, well, he said, if I leave my vehicle here is it going to be okay and i said oh absolutely yeah i said now you know whether somebody comes out here or not but it's not closed up or anything like that you'll be fine to leave it here nobody's gonna tow it or anything like that he said okay because my son has lost his key to his truck and i said oh we found some keys and that wasn't the keys and anyway he lost he lost the key and they're looking all around where they think that he lost his key and they, they're not finding it. And um, we just got to start talking just in general about stuff. And this guy shared with me that his grandson, the guy who lost his key, his son had died in a car wreck one week prior to this meet. Hmm. And I'm thinking, why in the world are you out here at this meet when that just happened and I thought well maybe they've got another grandson no they don't have another grandson they were out here supporting the team that the grandson Mm. ran on 
just to come out there and be supportive of the team. I'm sure it's tough on those kids as well. But here's what happened in that intervening week. FCA held a little get-together to talk about what had happened to Jackson Myers, was his name. And in that talk, they had 13 young people Hmm. who were saved that day because of that gathering. Hmm. Now, I'm not saying that this boy, Jackson Myers, had to lose his life for those 13 kids to come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. But it just shows you how even the absolute most tragic circumstances that you can imagine, you can still have good things that come mm-hmm. out of it. And this was a really good example. And um, I think they found their key, by the way. Uh, before, before well, the left. car's still not there. So. But, um, yeah, the car's not there <laughs> anymore. So, uh, yeah. Uh, so I, God can work crazy good things out of terrible circumstances Mm -hmm. psalm 34 8 says taste and see that the lord is good blessed blessed is the one blessed is the one who takes refuge in him i'm not sure that one got copied and pasted wrong i think taste and see that the lord is good blessed is the one who takes refuge in him Um, and she follows that up with he has proven his goodness over and over and he's good no matter what we go through, just like we were just talking about. Um, you know, when things are going well, we're all fired up, and it's really exciting. You know, when we just talked about Mary Mary Magdalene and the running and the excitement of that moment. Um, but think about where she was the day before, mm-hmm. right? and the the difference. God was good both times. <laughs> you know, I think it's a good. And it, he uses the word here, taste. And I looked in other versions because I thought, I wonder, I wonder if all versions say, "Taste his goodness." And you know, they pretty much all do. <laughs> so I thought that was kind of interesting to me because a lot of times, you know, the people they'll use different descriptive words, right. but this is very clearly what was written because all these different versions say that. And so, what does it mean to taste the goodness of God? Well. I think about taste, it means to to internalize him fully, right? And I think recently I was working at a soccer game and I had some, and I guess I don't know if I'd ever had any or not before. And, and people may pick on me when I say this, but I'd never had baklava. Is it baklava? Baklava. Yeah. I'd never had it before. That's good. And um, man, it was good. And as I took that first bite. You know how your eyes get big and it's like, oh my gosh. This, immediate sugar rush. This is so good. That's the way we should be. Yeah, That's what it's saying. It's saying that when you taste the flavor of God, that's your reaction. That it's amazing and unbelievable and fantastic and that's the way we should react to it. Yeah, I, I don't, I'm trying to get this thought out of my head, but you know, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. He has proven his goodness over and over. You know, as Christians, we're we're kind of called to prepare for the rough times. You know, and by prepare I mean staying close to God. And think about think about the things you prepare for that you almost want that test sometimes. 
And then when you get the test, it's comforting knowing I prepared for this. Yeah. I, I think about, you know, I, I, I'm trying to think of an example of something. I mean, we're, you know, financially, we try to prepare for the bad times. And not that we ever want the bad times to come, but when something happens and you maybe you lose your job or, or you have an injury or something, it's bad times, but you almost have a sense of relief when the bad times come because you prepared for it. Yeah. I don't know if that makes sense or not. I, I'm, I think it makes sense. I think so. Um, you know, you, 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 you see that a storm is coming and you maybe you live in a hurricane area and you, you do all the preparations and you bring everything inside and you sandbag things up. And then when the storm comes, you don't want the storm come to come, but you have a sense of relief when that storm comes because you've prepared for it. And yeah. and I think that that's what maybe some of this verse is talking about is that sometimes bad things need to come in our life. And that only drives us even closer to Christ because we almost have that sense of peace when that storm comes. Yeah. And I have to think that that's what was going through Paul's mind so many times Yeah, is I've got this. I know that I know that I know where my eternity is. I know I'm centered right where Christ wants me. So bring on the storms. And I don't know. I, I to me that that's just really hit me right as you were reading that. That we need to constantly be preparing for the storms because they will come. Yeah. So that when they do come, we have peace. And I know that sounds weird, peace in the storm, but it's not. It's it's very biblical. It's it's not in society. That's not the case. But if we prepare for the storms of life that we know are coming and we have our foundation set in Christ, we will have that sense of peace when those storms come. And we have this. There's a direct relation to running here. You know, I mean, I have run races where I was well prepared and I run races where I was not well prepared. And what a difference. And one mile in, you know how each one of those races are going to go. Exactly right. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Philippians 4.19 and my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Um, we, that's one of those verses where we like the first part, don't like the second part. Mm-hmm. Um, we like the idea that he's going to supply all of our need, um, but then it's in accordance with what he wants us to have, not what we want. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's, uh, but that's, that's, that qualifier is important. It, it's all about him. Um, and, and I, I th- again, another thing that, you know, that word need is different than the word want substantially. They may have the same number of letters, but they're a completely different word. Yeah. And, uh, and that's God, God will supply what we need. Well, this is on the heels of Philippians 413, that's which right. we talk about all the time. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's talking about being content. God will supply us everything that we need and we should be content in that. Um, because God gives us what we need. Right. Yeah. 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 Here's a question. Why do I spend time worrying about things when trusting God in his word is such a better path? Well, if we had the answer to that, we could we could write an all-time best-selling book. Yes. Oh, wait. There is could. one written about it. 
<laughs> it's the Bible. Yeah. And it is the all-time best show. It is. But <laughs> I, I don't know why this is. I think this is one of those things that we will never know. Well, I, I, th- I, I think I know why it is. I think it's because we listen to the loudest voice. And very often the loudest voice is the one the world is shouting in our ear rather than the, the, the calm voice of But we of know God. it's not right. We do. So why do we do it? I mean, that's that's... I don't know. It's just it's just so loud. It's like uh, yesterday we were playing a game in at the church with uh, with the youth, and in this game they could use their arms but they couldn't use their feet, and they were batting a ball around basically, without describing it further. And there were a couple of times where that ball went towards somebody, and they instinctively stuck their foot out, and of course that was against the rules. Mm-hmm. That's the way life is. When life comes at us, we're we're instinctively sticking our foot out rather than doing it the way we're supposed to do it. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's what happens to us when when the negative thing, the things that are not of God come at us, they come at us so fast and we react we just react in a way that's not biblical. Yeah, but I think a lot of it goes back to what we just talked about a few minutes ago that we react the wrong way because we failed to prepare. Yeah. We we need what what's the what's the old saying if you if you fail if to, you pre- if you fail to prepare then prepare to fail yeah um, and if we're if we're not doing the things daily um, that set us up for success when those things of the world come at us you know we should know right now how we're going to react when whatever happens yeah but a lot of times we don't give that much thought we say oh that never happened to me. <laughs> It's probably a pretty good sign that it's going to happen to you. Um, So, yeah. Well, I think I look at uh, social media and the way that we look at social media, and a lot of times our our anxiety and the the things that we, um, the the path that we need to be on, a lot of times is tainted by watching somebody else's highlight reel Mm -hmm. on. And and that makes it hard. And for some people, that's that's harder than others. For some people, they just... And the, the truth is, you're not seeing the actual truth. You know, for me, that's not you know that that's not an issue for me. But for so many, it is. And of course, I, I coach young people. For young people, that's everything to them is is they need approval from their peers. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, I think a lot of times that's where a lot of this comes from, and, and headed in the wrong direction is wanting to have. Um, approval with from our peers. You know, I listened to a podcast yesterday, and you 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 listened to the same person. You probably heard it, but they were talking about uh, the number of young female suicides and how closely many of them are tied to idolizing these. I'll, I'll just call them influencers yeah. on social media, and how if if you don't look this certain way then you're worthless and that's what's leading to a lot of this and that man that is it really rung my bell when i heard that yesterday that um and she said that she said these influencers just they're dangerous yeah they don't mean to be dangerous um they're just all about themselves and vanity they're not but they're dangerous and yeah i mean it just kind of goes to your point that that's a highlight reel that's exactly right and and i I was listening to a, a podcast recently and a podcaster and he's, he made the comment recently that um, church leaders are not 
doing what church church leaders should be doing. And of course, there are a lot of them that are. So he wasn't saying all, but where we should be standing up for what's right, mm-hmm. and that a lot of them weren't. And he got a lot of flack from it from from pastors who came back and said, "Our job is to lead our flock, not to stand up for." social justice or whatever and and it's so this has been going back and forth for several weeks now and the podcaster's point is that um we we have to stand up for what's right otherwise we are doing we should care about people enough that they're headed in the right direction and there's there's biblical examples of people being kicked out of the church because they weren't doing what they were supposed to be doing. Now, why were they kicked out of the church? Because that's what they needed to get their attention, mm-hmm. right? And so, um, you know, when it comes to all of this stuff and the way that we respond to others and the world around us, your point earlier about being plugged in and being close to God is so important because I, I think about it this way. I was listening to somebody talk about... Um, when somebody else is successful, do you are you excited for them, mm-hmm. or are you jealous of them? I'm excited. You are, mm-hmm. and and a lot of people are, but some people get really they get really anxious about sure. somebody else being successful, and that if that's the case, then you that's probably you're worrying you're probably worrying about things you shouldn't be worrying about instead of worrying about things you should be worried about. Yeah, so. I think I think reaching out and and holding others accountable in the church. To to me, that's probably one of the most difficult things there is it, to do. It is. Um, I had I had a an instance just here a while back where a person was was telling me about something they heard, and and I quickly dismissed him. I said that's it's not true, just categorically it's not true, and I. I knew 100% that it wasn't true because I was part of the story. And the person went on to say, well, I'll let you know I heard it at church. And it mm. came from church people. Mm. And they're a reliable source. And very quickly I said, well, obviously that's not true. They're not reliable because what you're hearing is not true. And it really got to me that night, so much so that I called that person and I asked him to go to lunch. And we went to lunch, and I, the, I mean, we're 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 very close. We're we're friends. It's you know, this was not a confrontational meeting, but I wanted to ask the question. I said, why, why did you say it was church people? To me, that that hurts our cause. That hurts the family of Christ because it wasn't church people that said that to you. It was people. Yeah. And people were flawed. People in the church, people outside the church. But so many times we will unknowingly throw mud at the church. Mm-hmm. And we shouldn't do that. No. We we should not do that. We should we should go to people when there's when there's mud in the church, we should go to those people and and, and help them clean it up yeah. and and make it right. But I don't know. That was that was a very hard thing for me to do was to call that person and say, "Hey, yeah. let's let's go to lunch and talk about this." Um, and and I think I think it made a difference yeah. with the person, but it's a hard thing to do. It is. 
Another question, what are small worries that I hold on to because I think they may be too small for God? And then she says, he wants to be a part of the small and the big things uh, in my life. And, and that is so true. It's, and that's very pertinent to what we do. I mean, running is not a big deal, right? But I don't know. I've said, help me, Jesus, more than once during a run. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's it's Pretty true. sure I said it yesterday. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, she's, she's right. It's, we're arrogant. We're so arrogant that we think, well, God can't handle that. That's, that's too small for him. That's not on his radar. But we don't, we don't understand the, how infinite his resources are. Because we think about it in human terms. Right. And we do understand it. That's, that's one of those things. We do understand it, but we don't, we don't act like we understand it when it comes to asking for things. And, yeah. And, bringing things to him. He wants us to bring everything to it. Yeah. 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 And, and when we think about things in a, in a human perspective, um, it, it taints everything that we think about. Um, God actually can handle both our big problems and our small problems and our neighbor's problems and the people in the town of Dalton, Georgia, and all the people in the state of Georgia and all the people, you know, it goes on and on. God mm-hmm. can handle all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. And so, and I think the most important thing is this, and this is the part that I lose sight of all the time. Not only can he, he wants to. Mm-hmm. God wants to be involved in all the small things um, because that shows our faithfulness to him when we believe he's in the small stuff. And so I, I think that's important. Last question, where do I need to trust God more today? <laughs> I say especially in those small things. For me, that's that's the thing. Um, you know, there's so many ways that we can trust God, uh, you know, for calmness, scheduling issues like was in this story, mm-hmm. um, just the ability to do things. Um, I have been, I'm on a streak right now. I've run five days in a row. I've run at least 10 miles a day. I'd only been running like 40 miles a week. So it's like almost twice, not quite twice, what I was running before. And uh, my body's rebelling. Do you know what I'm going to do today? I'm going to go out there and run another 10 miles. (laughs) And God's going to be there, and he's going to help me with that soreness those first couple of miles where it hurts so bad. Uh, But strength to do anything that's hard. And that not just to include something as – seemingly inconsequential is running mm-hmm. but for all the other things too you know yeah. when you have to have that conversation have to when you when, when god lays it on your heart to have that conversation with somebody that's a very very important conversation god wants to be involved in in that and mm-hmm. i'm i know you you prayed about that before you went and met and um and god is is helping yeah with those things Do you struggle with motivation to exercise? Are you looking for something that will challenge you and inspire and motivate you? The Run for God Run Club is just what you need to get off the couch and on your way to a fitter, healthier you. Stop trying to get into better shape and do it. 
With the help and inspiration of thousands of others who are going through the same challenges you face. Whether you're participating in the Couch to Marathon Challenge or just looking for a daily pick-me-up to get active, join the Run for God Run Club today. You can join for as little as 27 cents a day. So what are you waiting for? Get started today at www.runforgod.com. So the best vitamins for runners, you know what those are? I had no idea that I saw this. I thought I would just run down some of those things. Some of the more important vitamins to focus on. Um, first, B6. Comes from meats, poultry, fish, cereal, nuts, bananas. Um, B6 helps your body heal faster. So when you talk about recovery, B6 is really important to recovery. And so that's why it's important. Vitamin D is important. You get vitamin D from orange juice, milk, dairy, from the sun, from being out in the sun, you get vitamin D. Um, has a ton of benefits. We've seen that vitamin D deficiency is very prevalent in people who have died from COVID. Um, and so uh, vitamin D has a lot of regulatory things that it does for other vitamins and minerals. So um, vitamin D is kind of a linchpin kind of thing. Um, C. Fruits and vegetables, vitamins, uh, excuse me, vitamin C, um, which you get from a lot of fruits and vegetables. Um, It's one of the most important overall vitamins, mostly because it helps our immune system. Mm -hmm. Everybody, and what people do a lot of times is they start taking more vitamin C when they get sick Mm -hmm. to help them get over the sickness, and then they stop taking it after they get sick, and then they wind up getting sick again. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Vitamin C. You just need to make it part of your diet. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Uh, calcium is another one. Uh, it's in a lot of foods, um, particularly it's in almonds. It's in, it's in a lot of things. And, uh, your calcium controls your weight and your blood pressure. I never heard that before, but obviously it's important for your bones and things, but, um, there's some other things that it does as well. Uh, B12 is another one. And rem- remember this, if you, if you, if you enjoy plant-based eating like I do, um, you have to supplement B12 because B12 only comes from uh, from meats and things like that. Uh, so it's it's important. Um, it also is important to digestion. And I, I didn't realize this until I was looking over this stuff that um, B12 helps with your stomach and your digestion. Hmm. So if you're having stomach issues um, with digestion, you might try supplementing some B12. Iron is obviously an important one. We've talked about iron on here before. Um, Green leafy vegetables is a really good place to get that from, as well as uh, meats. Um, uh, The greener, the better for those vegetables. And um, that's an important one. And then vitamin A uh, is important, too. You can get it from sweet potatoes, carrots, from olive oil. Um, It's one of the reasons why olive oil is good. Um, and it's good for neurological function, which is really important to running um, mm-hmm. as, as you run. So, and then of course, one that, that wasn't on the list that I was, that I had originally done was, was zinc. Mm-hmm. We have found through COVID that zinc plays an important part in our immune system. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so zinc is another one, not necessarily for running, but for, for general health. So, and of course the best way to get good vitamins is through your diet. If you can get them all through the diet, that's great. Uh, but supplementation is the next best thing if you can't get it all through your diet. Um, it's not quite as efficient, but it's way better than not getting enough. Do you take supplements? Items. I do. I take a handful every morning. Really? Yeah. Um, I'd say I'd say I take 12 pills every morning hmm. all at one time. 
Wow. One big, one big handful. Wow. Uh, but I take stuff like flaxseed and yeah. so some stuff that, yeah. So, hmm. yeah. All right. It's a time for Dean's thoughts. And that's a time when I share something that I've written about the intersection between running and faith. Well, have you ever seen the show, What Would You Do? If you have, this may be familiar to you. It's called The Bystander Effect. According to Psychology Today, the bystander effect occurs when the presence of others discourages an individual from intervening in an emergency situation against a bully or during an assault or other crime. The greater the number of bystanders, the less likely it is for any one of them to provide help to a person in distress. People are more likely to take action in a crisis when there are few or no other witnesses present. If you've ever seen the television show, What Would You Do? You have seen these situations and how people react to them. Sure enough, most people just stand by when there's a crowd of people. If we broaden the concept a little, I think about the bystander. I think the bystander effect has another application. As we see in the show, people don't want to take affirmative action when those around them are not doing it. It applies to a situation like Psychology Today describes, but it also applies to other things. I don't know how many times I've heard someone tell me that they would run or walk if they just had someone to run or walk with every day. Isn't that sort of the bystander effect? We know that most people do not run or walk, so it seems like the default is to be sedentary like most of those around us, even when it is our own life we're considering. Have you ever complained out loud or even just to yourself that you'd like to lose some weight? What's stopping you? I would like to suggest that part of the problem is the bystander effect. It is far easier to do nothing and complain than it is to change the way we behave and the things that we eat. How about exercise? Whether it is running, walking, going to the gym, or any other form, do you complain that you don't have anyone to work out with? Millions of people work out by themselves every day, and you can too. I think a lot of people are bystanders to their lives. They see things go in a direction they don't like, but they feel powerless to stop it because no one else is helping them or taking the lead. It is not unlike the group that stands around and watches someone being verbally abused in front of a crowd. Now, I believe polls show that most people feel that they would not stand by and, wa and watch something like that happen, but when faced with an opportunity to stand in the gap, they don't want to be the one who takes action when everyone else is watching. If you have some things you, you want to change, but you're not taking action, it's just like you're standing around watching it with everyone else. The bystander effect. Stop being a bystander to your own life. If you're struggling with your fitness or your diet or anything else, you have the power to do something. We've all seen a video of the brave person who intervenes in a situation where someone needs help. Maybe you saw it on What Would You Do? Be that person in your life. Don't stand there with everyone else hoping someone will come by and help. Along a similar line, I like to think that Christians are bold and different from everyone else. But the truth is that polls show that for many topics where Christians should differentiate themselves, they are the same as the general population. God does not call us to be like everyone else. He wants us to help those in need, even if it must be done sacrificially. He wants us to follow the plan he has for our lives, even if we must go against the grain and be uncomfortable to do it. It is very difficult in, the, in some settings to be a strong representation of Christ and to share what he has done for us. 
but that is what we are called to do. Not stand on the sidelines and watch. He didn't call us to be bystanders. If you're struggling with lacing up your shoes to go for a run or walk, standing there and hoping someone else will help you will usually lead to poor results. Be the person who takes action, especially when you're the subject matter. And be different for the cause of Christ. It is a worn phrase, but one worth repeating. You may be the only glimpse of Jesus someone ever sees. Don't just stand there. Take action. It's a great story, Dean. Did you ever see that show? Yes, and yeah. I loved the show, and my wife hates the show. Oh, really? It's John Keonis. Yeah. yeah. I don't remember the name well. Yeah. But, I, yeah, I love the show, and I, I don't think I am a bystander because I love awkwardness. You're not a bystander. <laughs> no, but my wife does not like awkwardness. We're completely opposite, and yeah. y- y- you know how I am, especially with kids. I will, I will, I will take a bucket of awkwardness and, and dump in the situation <laughs> just because I like to see how people react yeah. in awkwardness. But she hates it. Yeah. And um, but yeah, I mean, I'm the guy that, and I have, you know, you see somebody on the side of the road or whatever you. I'll stop and pick them up. You know, I know that's probably not the safest thing to do in in today's time, but um, yeah, I think I would pass the test when John Keonis puts up some of these situations. Now, some of them that I saw, hmm, probably not. Um, but yeah, I I don't mind intervening. Yeah, to a fault sometimes, maybe. Sometimes yeah. I just need to stay out of whatever it is that's my problem that's <laughs> i'll that. intervene and i'm like why did i do this yeah why did i just do this that is my problem um and it, you know it, it gets to be a problem sometimes when um i want to help everybody mm-hmm. <laughs> and sometimes you just get too much yeah and, and you can't you can't um that's hard for me well the ones the ones that are the worst is when you step into help and you realize the person don't even want to help themselves yeah and then you're you know, how, how do I get out of this? You know, because yeah. I'm all about helping when the person is is willing and wanting to help yeah. or need help. Um, but you're right. There's a lot, a lot of times they clearly don't really want. There, there's a lot of stuff they could have done up to that point. Yeah. And they didn't. And there was a reason for it. Um, yeah, I think this goes back to what we were talking about a little while ago. It's, it's, it's who you hang out with mm-hmm. um, a lot of times is... You know, if you're not the, if you're Holly, you know, and, and you don't like to be that person out front, um, Debbie's the same way, mm-hmm. um, a lot in a lot of situations. But if you hang out with people who are, yeah. who are those people who, that's why you and Holly make a good team. That's yeah. why Debbie and I make a good team because one of us <laughs> is, right. is going to do something. And uh, so it's good to, to hang around with people. Well, who I think a lot of times it leads to pretty cool things. I mean, I think of Mr. Manus, yeah. you know, that I've talked about on this podcast before. He's a he's a guy that I used to pick up and give a ride. He, he walked all around town. And if I'd have never picked him up that first time, I learned a lot from that man. Um, just an old man who walked everywhere, didn't have a car. And uh, but, you know, I there's some really cool things that can come out of what many people think is an awkward situation. And the first time he got in the truck, it was a little bit awkward, you know, Yeah. but we became friends as a result of that. There's a lot of cool things that can happen. And and it's just, it really comes down to, are you a person who will step outside your comfort zone or not? And, and I'm, I'm willing to do that to my own peril. Sometimes, like I said, um, Holly, Debbie, 
they like that comfort zone and it, it takes a lot to pull them outside of it. But they also don't get themselves in trouble like you and me do sometimes. So right. there's a there's a balance there and I'm not sure in our marriages we've found that balance yet. Yeah, we're on both sides of it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. With uh yeah. Yeah, it's true. It's true. And I the 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 Christian side of this equation, as I was talking about before, it is is kind of sad. Because again, many of us for, from a Christian perspective, we look at something that's going on and in order for us to intervene, we have to be very direct. Mm-hmm. The, the person that you talked about earlier, you had to confront somebody with something that was unpleasant. Mm-hmm. And But we're called to be good people. We're called to treat people well. Mm-hmm. And we, conf, we confuse treating somebody well with being nice. Those aren't necessarily the same thing. You know, it's you, you've mentioned all the time you talk about um, how, how you look at God's relationship at, at, like children. Mm-hmm. You don't let your child step out into the street. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you have to grab them by the arm and jerk them back because they're about to step into the street, as unpleasant as that is for them, you do it anyway. Sure. Because it's what's good for them. And very often as Christians, we're just letting people wander into the street. And we're saying, well, I don't want, you know, that's their choice. And what we got to be careful about that. Well, I think, I mean, as soon as you said that, I think back to the, um, what's the pen guy's name? Pen and Teller? Yeah. I think back to the the YouTube video I've watched of him. He, I mm-hmm. mean, he's a very self-professed atheist. and mm-hmm. But he talked about one time where a gentleman came up to him after the show and, and wanted to give him a Bible and, and really proselytized to this atheist. And he said, I, I'm still an atheist, but it, it really shook me that this man cared enough for me because he genuinely thinks that, and he does, he, he has the answer to uh, a great life beyond the grave with Jesus Christ. How bad do you have to hate me not to tell me that? It would be like if I were standing out in the road and a transfer truck's coming and you saying, uh, we just don't see things the same way. Let him get hit by the truck. How bad do you have to hate somebody to do that? And mm-hmm. if you really think that Jesus Christ is your only hope of salvation, how bad do we have to hate people not to tell them? Mm-hmm. And that video really rung my bell. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a very pow- so it's so powerful that my pastor actually played it in front of our whole church. I mean, who would have thought that playing a video? of an atheist talking would be appropriate to play in front of the church, but it's, it's a powerful video. Yeah, it is very powerful. I've, I've, I've watched it a number of times cause I, I can watch it over and over again. You can see the, the, it really, it shook him. It shook him for yeah, sure. It did. Yeah. And if you, yeah. if you haven't seen the video, just, I don't even know how you would search it. It's on YouTube, uh, pen, gift uh, of a Bible, gift of I a Bible, something called. like that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, go check that out. Yeah. Well, we've had this debate in my Sunday school class for 10 years now about um, do you do business with companies who are very hostile mm-hmm. to Christian beliefs? And, of course, my, my opinion has always been don't do that. And I've had a lot of people argue the other side of that. But my argument today is much stronger than it was 10 years ago because the truth is is that if as Christians we had all stood up and made a statement 10 years ago, 
they wouldn't be doing what they're doing today. Mm-hmm. But now, for a lot of in a lot of cases, it's too far gone. And I just think it's important as Christians that we stand up for for what's right, sure, and what's true. And um, I, I don't think we do enough of that. So, um, just like the the podcaster I was talking about earlier about the um, talking about church leaders not doing what they should be doing. Um, we we have to realize that we're justifying ourselves very often in in what we're doing, and we got to be careful not to not to do that. We can't be a bystander. We have to take some bold action very often, and we have to do it for the cause of Christ, mm-hmm. right? At Run for God, we care about more than just your exercise. We care about your relationship with God, and we believe that the music you listen to while you run can help you build your relationship with God. That's why we partner with J Radio. J Radio offers a variety of positive and Christian playlists to listen to while you run. You can find a playlist that I put together on the Run for God station at J Radio. Every reason I share a reason why running is so awesome. And you said every reason I share a reason. Did I? Did yeah. I say that? You said that. Should I cut that out or no, should I just leave it? I think it we in need there? to leave it in there. Yeah. Every week <laughs> I share a reason why running is so awesome. Uh, and this week it's this extra time for audiobooks and podcasts. We're just talking about That's podcasts. And mm-hmm. it, it is, you know, because otherwise I wouldn't have the opportunity to listen to those things mm-hmm. if it weren't for running very often. And so it's a, it's a good time to to catch up on stuff. Uh, whatever you decide that you like to listen to, it's it's a good time. Um, it's a good time to unplug sometimes too. I think it's, a, it's good to do a little bit of both. Um, but I, I listen to a lot of podcasts when I run. And a lot of people like audiobooks. That's another good way to to catch up on on books um some people like music of course and Mm -hmm. so it's a lot it's that's one of the great things about running is it gives you some extra time to do something that you enjoy doing well what do you think is the toughest race distance do you have an opinion on that i do i still say to this day the hardest race i've ever done is the blue ridge relay and it was it was not because it was, I think I ran 32 miles or something over 30 hours, but it's because it was broken up. Yeah. That was the hardest thing I've ever done because I, I would have rather ran 32 miles straight than have to run six, get in a van with five other sweaty guys, no sleep, everything tightens up, and then you try to go do it again. That is physically it probably wasn't the hardest but mentally by far makes up for all that it it was the hardest thing i've ever done yeah with six guys 210 miles over 30 hours yeah that is tough that is tough well what about just a single distance though do you you like is do you feel like shorter stuff is harder or do you feel like longer stuff is i don't like the shorter stuff i i don't i'm a i guess i'm a weenie when it comes to pain yeah I don't like that acute. I don't like anything that gives me what I call blood lung. Yeah. yeah. Um, and for for everyone out there who don't know what that is, when when you tax your lungs to the point of they're they're screaming for oxygen, all the blood rushes there. Yeah. And you can actually taste it if you if you've ever gotten it, you know what I'm talking about. You've yeah. gotten it, I'm sure. Yeah. You get that metallic yeah. taste. I don't like anything that gets me to that point. <laughs> 
Well, for me, that'd probably be a mile. Uh, when it gets down to that short, you know, mile, 1,500 meters, stuff like that, man, it hurts. It hurts so intensely. And for most runs, even a marathon, as soon as you stop, the pain kind of goes away pretty quick. But when you get to the point of the blood on the mile, any yeah. of that stuff, it's like it lingers for yeah. 20 minutes. That's true. Yeah. That's true. I, I enjoy 5Ks, though. Um, even today, I still enjoy a good 5K. It's pretty intense. Mm-hmm. When you get through, it, it takes a minute to get over it, but it's it's still. I remember hating uh, 10Ks. I mean, hated 10Ks. Like, I could not figure out how to run a 10K. A 10K is kind of like the 800 on the track, isn't it? It's well, that weird. Yeah, maybe. It's not long distance. It's not really short distance. It's middle distance. That's why yeah. they call it that. But it's just in a weird. Yeah, it's just it's a weird. Uh, it's a weird distance. It, where it was, I've gotten a lot better at it because I've run a lot more of them. Yeah. Now, mostly eight Ks. I've run a lot of eight Ks over the years, but um, I just uh, I just remember um, how much I hated it. And ten Ks, um, you know. That's another interesting thing about race distances. 10Ks used to be really popular. Mm-hmm. Now it's kind of hard to find a 10K. You just don't mm-hmm. see nearly as many of them as, as we once did. Now, half marathons are more popular than 10Ks. I remember when I was young, half marathon wasn't a very popular distance. Mm-hmm. Of course, I don't half marathon distance seems weird to me. <laughs> I don't It's a weird distance to me. I think we ought to run 20K instead or something rather than half marathon. It just seems weird. Um, half of a marathon. Why? Why do half of something? You know, it's a stepping stone. Yeah, kind of like our program. Yeah, it's it's and a I stepping reali- stone. I realize why, but it, yeah. at the same time, it's like, well, why not just do a twenty k? It's a a round number, right. and it's um, you know, it's half mile less than a marathon. I get it, but I, I would. I'm not going to buy the thirteen point one sticker. I'm going to wait till yeah. I get the 26.2. Yeah, it's kind of like the Ironman. You know, I never would. I did a half Ironman, but it was just, it was a stop along the way. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But some people love to do half marathons. Holly, my wife, I mean, when, yeah. when she runs races, that's the distance she prefers. Yeah. Uh, she used to do quite a few half marathons, but she just didn't have the desire to do the full. So, yeah, yeah I guess to each his own. When I was, uh, when I was young, I remember, because I, I was looking at my, my old training log and, we ran 440, 880 mile. Mm. We didn't run 400, 800, 1600. It was, and and now you've got the 400, 800, 1600, and um, they're very, very, very close mm-hmm. to the same distance, but they're a little bit different. The 1600 bugs me. <laughs> it bugs me. It always has, and I I think we ought to run a mile, yeah, or run a 1500. Well, I think it bugs you because I've heard you say it. I think it bugs you because people call it a mile. Yeah, I think maybe that's part of it because it's not a mile, right? It's even even short. in track with the high school. Yeah, you ask the students what they're running, they say, "I'm running the mile." Well, no, you're not. You're running the sixteen hundred. But we still default to the mile that's because right. it's four laps around the track. Yeah, and because we're Americans. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, you know, ultra marathons. I remember those have changed a lot too. I remember when I was young, ultra marathons were mostly on the roads, and now ultra marathons are mostly on trails. Mm-hmm. Um, or at least maybe it just seemed that, that way to me. I'm not sure. Um, you mentioned the Blue Ridge Relay. I remember 24-hour relays. Mm-hmm. Um, those were cool, taking place on a track. Um, but 
I've loved to I've loved watching the evolution of different race distances and, and things and still the sixteen hundred though, that's the one that bugs me. <laughs> uh, what is it? Is it nine feet or nine meters? Nine meters. Nine meters. Nine meters short of a mile. Yeah. yeah. Just run the nine meters. <laughs> yeah. Just just put the start line nine meters further back. Yeah. And and, and everything's good. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we have a trivia question for this week, um, and this is this one was interesting. I didn't know this, and I thought it was a very interesting thing. The first sporting event ever televised included running events. What was it that was televised, and where was it televised? Hmm. The first sporting event ever. Yeah, first one ever televised. There's so that, some, that's over football, basketball. I mean, that's over everything. That's right. Wow. Yep. So. Who knew? Who knew? You can send the answer to dean at runforgod.com. And if you um, are the first one to answer with the correct answer, then you're going to win a Run Club merchandise discount. Mm-hmm. So uh, get on it. And uh, I, we had more responses last week after we changed the prize. We had more responses last really? week. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's going to be popular. The mug ran its course, huh? That's it. I guess so. All right. Yeah. All right, and I'm going to leave you with this motivational thought of the week. It comes from Christopher McDougall, who wrote the book Born to Run, and he says, ask nothing from your running, and you'll get more than you ever imagined. (laughs) So true. Isn't it? Yeah. I like that. Running can be good in so many ways. Uh, You know what else is like that? God. Yep. He's like that, too. You don't... He wants us to ask for stuff from him, but if you don't ask anything from him and you just... Get plugged into them. You'll get way more than you can ever imagine. All right, Dean, 135 episodes. Man, that's awesome. We'll be to 200 before we know it. That's it. Lord willing. It's around the corner. Yeah, that's right. Lord willing. All right, everybody, have a good week. May God bless every step of every run and walk. Go out there and shine your light. Good job, Dean. For more information about the Run for God ministry, go to runforgod.com. If you have questions about your salvation, click on the Peace with God tab. There's nothing more important. Thanks for joining us today.